We're a unique podcast for families of faith, produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them. A road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am Pastor Brad, and I'm here with my sidekick, Robert Beeson. Hello, Brad. (laughs) We're having a little fun in the studio today, and uh, Robert's still adjusting to his role uh, as a sidekick. And um, remember, you know, in previous podcasts, we've talked about this, and, and Robert's been a little disgruntled, but in reality, he talks as much or more than I do, so it's just semantics, Robert. I'm not worried about that, Brad. I'm not worried about that at all. I was just I was just taken back by your Vanna White approach to, um, hello! Well, I, I wanted to, you know, I've, I'm on a little cold medicine, I have some spring allergies, and, you know, it gives you that extra little adrenaline, um, but I also wanted to be up, because it's sort of important to project to our audience optimism and encouragement. That's true. It's very glamorous of you. Thank you. So the the point here is that we're not we're not exactly here to talk about ourselves. And um, what really matters is our guest. So it does. I, yeah. This banter back and forth, while it's fun, I think it's irresponsible of you to continue it. Well, I think it's important for the podcast to know that we are real parents with real issues, and uh, we are just human. That's true. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So we have a friend, you and I, um, a gentleman that you've known longer than I have, but in the short time that I have worked with and been around our guest today, I've been very impressed um, with his uh, sincerity, with his heart, um, and with his knowledge, really, of all things internet and and social media. Uh, His name is Jeremy Lee. He's the founder of ParentMinistry.net, and um, he's written some books, one from David C. Cook, uh, Pass It On. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. He's a great guy, but we're not here really to talk about him professionally. Uh, there's something very personal with Jeremy that that we learned as we worked with him, and I think it would be really helpful um, before we let him start talking to sort of set the tone, and that is that Jeremy has has been a parent and a pastor. Let me let me stop you right there yeah. um, because I think that all the professional stuff is really important because he's gone on to do amazing things, but. When I first met Jeremy, he was a youth pastor, and he was my stepson's youth pastor Mm. in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And um, I met him during that season of life. So he's gone on to do professionally great things and to write a book. But what I loved about Jeremy was his heart to connecting with kids. I mean, he did everything he could to try to find a way into their heart. And, And then I think, and this is the bigger issue he wanted to equip parents to do the job of discipling their kids. And so he, his book, Pass It On, is about passing on your faith, basically. And, and he's real big on the, the rites of passage kind of thing with um, the significance of a 13th birthday. Just the signif- taking time out to be for a parent to recognize what is going on developmentally in their kids, spiritually and emotionally and all that. So he's just 
on the surface, he's an amazing internet guy and incredible at marketing. But I can tell you firsthand, his heart has always been not only for the kids of our country, but also for equipping parents to understand and then to be more effective at discipling their kids. And so I, I don't mean to kind of jump in there and insert myself, but before we got into kind of the subject matter, I wanted to tell you that behind all the, you know, the accolades and the success that he's had, his heart has always been about the family. I think that's really helpful. Uh, Jeremy is a, is definitely a bona fide um, sort of expert, if you will, on parenting. He's studied it. He's worked with, with the youth uh, from the church side as well as personally having a family. But one of the, the most important things about Jeremy is that he has fought through cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, while he's been engaged in ministry and raising his kids and, and doing all these amazing things. And so for the parent today who may find themselves in the middle of a health crisis, and it doesn't have to be cancer, it could be mm-hmm. a variety of things, I feel like this is an important topic for us to explore with someone who's been through it rather than just sort of, you know, theologically, you I know, agree. how do you deal with that? And so since we're all about authenticity, I want to introduce our friend Jeremy Lee and let him tell us his story himself welcome well uh, thank you this has been fun to sit and listen to you guys brag on me i mean are we done with that part because i was kind of into it no we're just getting started thank you thank you yeah and if if you go online uh you can find very quickly at parent ministry it's ministry to parents.com i changed the domain got it okay so that's important to know ministry to parents.com at the very bottom of the page you can get a good picture of jeremy so you can see what he looks like and in that picture he has a rocking beard that's right the you got to if you can you should it's in my opinion have an amazing beard well i have some beard envy but uh (laughs) i can tell you jeremy it's a pleasure to have you here you in many ways helped us get started in podcasting and really encouraged us uh, to do that. And it was after we sort of had lunch with you and kind of heard some of your story and what you've been through. My heart was really touched by that. And um, I feel like there are parents out there right now who are in a little bit of just paralysis, uh, who maybe have just gotten a a bad lab report or some type of um, health update that has left them reeling. And so you've just walked through this. So I want to open this up for you to share your story and then sure. kind of some encouragement to that parent. Man, I, I'm honored to do this. I've been looking for a venue to do this. And so I'm super grateful that you guys have invited and allowed me to share my story. Um, on May 6th of last year, it's coming up on a year now, uh, I went in for a medical procedure. And I'm not even going for, I'm not afraid to tell you, I went in for a vasectomy. That's a little <laughs> bit... Uh, <laughs> well, that's definitely parent-related. There you go. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, obviously got natural nerves about that. And um, <laughs> then natural. you come back. I came yes. back that evening, and, man, I was hurting real bad. And I'd heard all the horror stories. So I told my wife, you know, I'm just going to go to the ER and, and just make sure uh, that I didn't have a complication or something. So I get there, and uh, they, they, they go ahead and scan me uh, because uh, I was having abdominal pain. And uh, they come back, and the doctor says, um, yeah, you have uh, some signs that are tracking uh, that make us think that there's a potential for lymphoma. And I had never really I, – I, I had hmm. barely heard of that term. And I was like, are you saying – is that – wait a second, that's cancer, right? Mm. And, uh, and, he, and when he affirmed that, 
man, that changed everything, and that led me on on the journey. Um, uh, but from the perspective of being a parent, uh, I thought it'd be good to um, share some of the mistakes and some of the uh, benefits that uh, we learned along the way. Because one of the first things we did, uh, my wife and I, um, is we consulted really smart people. We've been blessed to have counselors and, and people in our life who have been walked through this with thousands of families. So we, we put a phone call in to the counselor that helps us with our son. One of our, he meets with one of our sons. And uh, he said uh, quickly to us, he said, uh, your natural parental reflex is going to be to rescue them from this, which means to separate them from this, which mm. means to pretend like it's not there hmm. and uh, help help them um, to avoid pain. And, uh, and and so that that is what you're going to want to do. And he said that is the uh, worst thing you can do for them. Hmm. Um, and so he said, in an age-appropriate way, we want you 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 want to invite them into the process with you. Uh, let them have a role. Let them have a part in it. Um, and let them as much as they can handle. Uh, we we talk about a terminology with our boys. Sometimes we we don't want to give them suitcases that are too big for them to handle. Mm-hmm. We want them to have, but give them enough so that they can practice dealing with pain and stress in our life. So. Uh, I remember, uh, I mean, for me personally, it was overwhelming. Um, I, I remember actually the doctor came into the hospital and he confirmed my cancer to me uh, and then walked out of the room and just awkwardly right at that point was the first time my boys were coming to visit me in wow. the hospital. So like he left and they came in and I just was a just, I just was in tears mm-hmm. Um and I had to ask my buddy to, or I asked my uh, my wife. I said, "Baby, you just got to take him out of the room for a second. I can't look at him because the, mo- the, the the moment they walked in, all I saw was how I was about to disappoint them, how they were mm. about to be, uh, how they're not going to have a dad anymore, and they're going to be the the exact opposite of everything I dreamed for them was about to happen in their lives." And because uh, all I've dreamed of is that they would have a, a dad who poured into them, who invested in them in a, in a unique way. And I've done enough of the research to know that uh, so few have a positive experience with a healthy dad that supports and grows them that that gives them such a great advantage in life if I can give that gift to them. And now that was all about to be taken away. The one huge thing I wanted to do in this life was wow. about to be done. So wow! Uh, that, so let that, me ahead, let me sorry. interrupt on that. So you you just find out you go in for like complications to a vasectomy. Yeah, which you're not thinking cancer. No, not you know, at all. You're thinking man painkiller or you know swelling. Yeah. You get this huge life changing curveball, and then your your kids come in right after you've discovered from the doctor that this is indeed a serious situation. How old are your kids at this moment? Yeah, great great question. They're 11 and 8. Okay. So So they're old enough to be aware. Old enough to be aware. Um but very different. Uh, my 11-year-old and my 8-year-old had very different journeys through this process. Um my 11-year-old obviously was way more in tune to it and my 8-year-old was not and I think it was interesting to watch how much he did not want to be. He mm-hmm. he uh he was pleasantly aloof. Um, I think he was aware about pleasantly aloof uh, as as a young man. No, but but when they came, when they left the 
when they left the room, I just broke down. Um, I had a buddy that was in the room. I felt sorry for my buddy, you know, who were two grown <laughs> men just crying like babies. Um, but then a little bit later, it came down to tell them. And that was when we, we leveraged the advice given to us by that counselor. And uh, uh, But I will say this. If you're a parent and you're dealing with this issue and you have to share with your kids that you're sick, um, here's some mistakes that I made. Okay. Uh, the first thing uh, I did was I, I said to this is what we said. We said, "Hey, there's, there's, we're about to tell you a word, and and this word is going to be scary. But there, you got to understand that the I'm going to help you understand. The doctors have given me some really good hope in the midst of this word, but I have cancer." Now, you've heard of old people having cancer. A lot of times when an older person has cancer, the news isn't good for them. But I'm still younger, and the doctors have said that I have a better chance than than most, and uh, I have a good shot. So, in fact, you know, sometimes there might be just as much chance of me getting killed in a car wreck than me, you know, dying of this cancer. Immediately, my sons were like, wait a second. We can die in the car in a car wreck? <laughs> like, they weren't even thinking about cancer, so don't use that analogy, because that took everything off the rails. And then another thing let, was... Well, I, one second. Let, let me back up for one... Where, uh, set the, the, the stage of where this happened. Did you do this in the hospital, yeah, or did you isolate room. a time to do this, or how practically do you suggest, like, getting into that conversation with your kids? Yeah, we wanted to get into it right away. They knew stuff was happening. They right. knew something was wrong. You're in the hospital. Um, so, And uh, we did request that um, uh, the doctor would allow me to go downstairs, and we went into a private room with them because we didn't know how they would respond. We didn't right. know how they'd react. And we didn't want to put them in a situation where they were wailing and crying and, and in a public scenario, yeah. and yeah. our nurses are coming in or out. So we, we did want to create the right environment. Uh, but uh yeah they we that they, they were it was surprising to me my older son was very quiet and and my younger son was kind of like okay uh and you could just see mm. uh the the maturity in both uh, difference in both because you know my younger son he didn't have the ability to process what was the going older, on and understood the son, weight of yeah, it a older son was yeah. okay so what's another more. mistake you made so the oh the other one was um I had such a desire to for them to feel okay. Mm-hmm. Even though I was giving them such bad news, I wanted some silver lining there. So I went ahead and without even talking to my wife said, and once we get past all this, we're all going to Disney uh, Disney cruise together. <laughs> and um, and uh, and I manufactured happiness so that the sting of the pain would yeah. would be so bad and that as and, a way of coping. Yeah, as a way of coping and and I, and I really, you know, did, my wife later on, she said, you know, hey, Disney Cruise, whatever, that's fine. But in the end, what, you kind of stole some of that moment from them. And it, and you also kind of didn't even talk to me. And, mm. you know, that was interesting. Um, uh, that, that was interesting. So don't do those two things. But what I, what we did do was by allowing them to be a part of it. My son, he would make me playlists on Spotify for me mm. to listen to while I was going through chemo. My younger son would draw me pictures and write me notes. I remember, and that was the thing to watch in their lives. I mean, mm. I remember as I was going through chemo, my son had a poetry night at school. My younger son, who didn't really talk a whole lot about it, and he stood up, he stood up in front of everybody in the cafeteria or in the library where they were doing it, and dressed in his French beret because it was French themed. <laughs> and he and he, I can tell you his poem. 
he looked at the whole crowd and he said, my dad is strong. My dad fights cancer. Wow. That was his poem. Oh my gosh. How did you keep your eyes dry? (laughs) I can't even now talk about it. That's right. That's amazing. Uh, And then uh, there were plenty of opportunities for them to write papers and do things. And, um, and they, and they expressed themselves through that, and, and it was beautiful to watch them process it. Um, another thing the counselor told us to look for, might be helpful for those that are listening, is uh, he said, if, as long as they're talking, that's mm. good. As long as they're asking questions and talking, that's mm. good. And, and, and they did. Um, and, and there were a lot of good days. Um, uh, there were a ton of bad ones, too, where I would walk in, or my wife would walk in and find one of my son's crumpled in the shower in, in tears. Um, and it, it was, and, and they, they, little things would set them off into stress attacks and they weren't realizing that's because most of their, most of their jar was full mm-hmm. uh, of stress. And, and so any little thing would tip it over. Mm. Um, and so, and, you know, it was crisis moments. Um, another thing though, that I think was, super important was to watch them receive generosity from the community around us mm. like like their school in particular the teachers over the summer these teachers who you know teacher salaries right every week during the summer every teacher in the school signed up to take our family for one week and they would bring over 50 to 100 dollars worth of something wow. for the boys to enjoy or they would take them to a movie or i mean and we just got loved on by their school in such an amazing way and and to watch those boys because i i we told them we said you know these these teachers they're they don't know us mm-hmm. they're loving you guys mm-hmm. and um i've watched my boys become more generous um because they watched people be generous to us and they knew what it meant mm-hmm. uh for for just a little gift card for a meal or something like that it, it meant so much to them and i'm watching them now be more uh more intentional about doing that for others um, and that that was a huge gift. Uh, another thing counselors, our, my wife and I, our personal counselors taught us that I want to make sure your listeners hear is uh, the role of being a patient and being a caretaker in a marriage. Mm. That was so important for, uh, for us. We, Unwrap that a little We bit. were really blessed. Um, we got great wisdom on this. Um, we, were, we were warned not to fall into the roles of patient and caretaker. Okay. Where she does, where I need everything and she does everything. Mm, okay. And because we were told that that will wear out quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, as best as possible, she still needs to tell me to take out the trash. Right. <laughs> now, I need to be able to say to her, baby, I'm puking, I'm on chemo, and I can't get the trash to the curb. Sure. Uh, I can't do it. And she'll, she needs to honor that. But at the same time, she needs to have the courage to still ask me to do it. Uh, at the same time, she needs to make sure she's taking care of herself and uh, and doing the th- extra, more than normal things for herself, so that there's plenty of fuel in the tank. The tank yeah. uh, and me and me as well. Uh, basically, not to give up our normal roles, to hold on to husband and wife as hard as we could through the process, was so important. Uh, because it is, it does feel like you're supposed to shift into patient and caretaker. Um, and uh, I think, you know, our marriage was, uh, survived the process a lot better because we took a hold of that wisdom. So mm. I would love to pass that on to anybody else that's about to go yeah, through that's, that. That's, that's really good. Really powerful advice and, and practically helpful. I, I want to go ahead and zoom forward from last summer to today. 
I know you're feeling better. You look great. Uh, Thank you, you. You've made a great recovery. Tell the audience kind of where you're at now and, and what you take with you uh, into your future with your family. Yeah. You know, one of the coolest, wasn't cool when it first happened, but the coolest things that happened during the process was I had a friend send me a, an old prayer. Um, he, he was actually a recording of a, of a man with an Irish accent uh, reading the prayer. And I would just play that over and over and over again. But when I first played it, he sent it to me like in a, in a text message, you know, and you could, you could listen to it. And uh, when he said, I've been praying this over you. Well, when I listened to it, the, the first thing, one of the things it said in the prayer was, Lord, please help me to see the gifts of this disease. Mm. And I got angry when I first heard that. And I was like, yeah, man, this, there's, nothing, there's nothing about this that is a gift to me. Um, but God worked on my heart through that. As I began to pray that prayer and listen to that prayer, um, I began to, he began to show me that there actually was a lot of gifts that have come from cancer. Um, the, one of the biggest ones being the most obvious, which is a change of perspective. I mean, a huge change of perspective. I mean, you lay my biggest problems right next to cancer and, they don't seem big at all. Yeah. And, uh, and, and really, in the end, ultimately, uh, that's how God would wish, I think, that we would do life, lay our biggest problems next to Him and compare them and say, hey, you know, I am way bigger than your problems. And I wish I could have done that before cancer, but post-cancer, it's a lot easier and life looks different. It feels different. And that is a gift. My boys will be better men because their dad had cancer. Absolutely. Wow. That's a that's quite a statement. And yeah. uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, my wife, uh, in her in her beautiful she has a beautiful ministry and she does so much and she's going to help so many people because of cancer. So my family is um, is we're better, we're stronger, we're more useful to the Lord's purposes. These are all true. And at the same time, we're still fragile. Mm-hmm. We have, it's not over. I have a five-year journey of scans that have to be clear before I can. Yeah, bring our uh, listeners up to yeah. the speed of where you are, you know, yeah. medically or physically now. Yeah. My first six-month scan is coming up, and uh, the first two years are the most crucial. Mm-hmm. And if I can have clear scans all the way through that, uh, my uh, potential of lymphoma returning is, uh, is very, very low. Uh, and if I can get to five years, they'll even use the word cured. I don't know how you used to be a doctor, Brad. I don't know how they can say that, but uh, but they basically say my chance for recurrence is next to nothing if I can make it five years. So right now, just to be clear, there is no can they, They've traced no cancer in your body. Yes, right? I'm in remission. Sorry, in remission. thank you. I'm in, on on November 11th. I received my last treatment in January. It's officially claimed in remission. And so, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying that and uh, just hopeful. But also, this is one of the things, I know I'm past time, but I, I would That's love okay. to share one more thing. Please. One of, the, one, of the, one of the moments of this journey for me that was big was um, at some point, um, at the, towards the end of my treatment, I would kind of had some indications through scans that I was going to be in remission and that things were looking great. 
and then I had some weird symptoms and the thought was, oh no, it's already coming back. There was that fear. And it was enough prevalent enough where I thought, because if it does come back, my chances go way, way down again. And I'm, I'm back in, in another place. So I went to my counselor and I said, my mind is in a million places. But this is what I've decided. I will not fear death. So mm. um, I know fear is my soul telling me that I need to plan and prepare. And so I want to plan and prepare for my death. Will you help me? And my counselor had this most somber look on his face. And then he said, okay, let's do it. And we started to walk through it, man. We started with my salvation. I was like, I've been a minister for 20 years. Uh, and the, I'm going to tell you something. This should be a set thing. But I'm just, when you're actually legitimately facing it, mm-hmm. I want to just go over this one more time and make sure that this is, <laughs> this is right. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. No surprises, please. Uh, yeah. And then we went through the actual physical logistics, like checking out my life insurance, knowing my policy. I wasn't as familiar with it as I wanted it to be. Uh, writing down all the passwords for my wife, making sure that that was just all done so there would be no pressure. Mm. And then I made a plan for, okay, I'm going to do some video recordings and some audio recordings um, so that when my sons are, uh, if, if I do go, my sons can have some stuff for me each year on their birthday that they can listen to. Um, I, I basically just said, hey, I, I want to be ready so that if I get bad news again, I can deal with my sadness and my anger, but I don't have to deal with fear. Mm. I can say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm as prepared as a human can be for this moment. Uh, my counselor made a statement to me that I thought I'd share that this is what's so uh, interesting to me that I think your listeners might be interested in. He said, every man should do this. Mm-hmm. We just don't have a present reality like you do of cancer to force us to. But if all of us took time to prepare for our deaths and stare it in the face, it would free us up to live. I love that. And I uh, think that's so powerful. Yeah. And so I would suggest that to anyone, whether you have a, a, mm-hmm. a impending health crisis or not. Uh, I, I can't tell you how freeing that has made me to, you know, um, to at least be able to say, hey, you know what? I don't want to go, but if I do... I, I understand. If the worst that, were to happen, yeah, I'm ready, and these things at least are are checked off. I, I love that. I often think when I go to a funeral, and listen to eulogies or whatever, like I wish this person was here to hear all these things, you know. But mm-hmm. it's too late at that point. This is the other side of that. This is saying, I wish some of these things would have been said. What what things are left unsaid that you need to say to your kids or to your wife or to record, like like you said and. Just the sentiments that you you know are in place that if because the truth is Jeremy, there's probably as likely a chance of something else taking you like mm-hmm. an accident like you were saying mm-hmm. as it was were cancer. Same for me if I walk out this door today and get hit by a car, I mean that's possible. And so it does beg the question like are we really ready? And not just from an eternal perspective, but have we lived as if we're dying to the extent that we make preparation for all areas of our life to um, have some closure. I love that. I think that's fantastic advice. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, Jeremy, are pretty confidential or private about things like this. 
Um, I, I find a lot, as a pastor, I find a lot of people, you know, don't tell everybody. I, I kind of want to deal with this alone. I kind of want to be private. I don't want to. I don't want people to see me sick, and so this sort of illustration of where you you allowed your family, your kids to know about it, and then you even allowed the school. I assume the church that you are a part of as well, and so you mm-hmm. kind of opened yourself up to be a to be helped, mm-hmm. and you didn't try to just sort this out in private. And uh, I think that's a huge challenge for people who are struggling with illness, serious illness, um, that they feel embarrassed uh, or uh, somehow it's something that should be kept away from the public. And not that you would go and share your story with a stranger on the street, but for the people that you're doing life with, it sounds like this was very much a part of, of your life, that you invited them into this. Is that true? Yeah, there was too much suffering in this process for me to be exactly the same on the other end of it. That would have been such a waste. Hmm. I feel like uh, there there are other forces at work here. I mean, I'm a man of faith, and so I'm bound at that point to whatever God brings into my life to allow Him to use it however He pleases. Um, and it is it is a bit how God has wired me. I don't uh, I don't mind sharing uh, freely about the things that matter most. It's harder to get me to do small talk. Uh, uh, I care about the things that matter. So, uh, And this is very much in line with that, so I'll talk about this forever. Mm. As you can tell, we're already, what, 10 minutes past your time limit. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, time limits are meant to be broken. But, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I just want to encourage our listeners. There, there are people who are. Um, right in the middle of this, they're they're in the middle of that process of either being diagnosed or being treated or or walking through the valley, if you will, of the shadow of death, and, and it can be a very frightening, very uh, discouraging place. You could be a spouse of someone who's going through that. You could be exhausted. How would someone get a hold of you? Because I think there'll be people who will want to uh, reach out and and maybe ask for prayer or support from someone who's been through this. Sure. Uh, goodness. Uh, you can email jlee, L-E-E, at ministrytoparents.com. Okay. Probably be the best way. I'm on Twitter at yo Jeremy Lee, <laughs> but I don't know how long Twitter will be around, so let's just use email. All right. There's my bold social media prediction wow, for no you. Wow, kidding. Well, that's, that's pretty bold. <laughs> it's about cancer, but Twitter's about to die. It did. Yes. It's already got its cancer. Well... <laughs> You know, Jeremy is one of those uh, exuberant guys. He's uh, full of life. Um, I didn't know him before he had cancer, so I can't speak to that. But if if you find yourself resonating with the story and if you find yourself walking through this, I want to encourage you uh, to live and to engage this head on with your faith, with your family, with those that God has given you to walk through life with. We're not meant to walk through these kinds of things alone. And so um, we want to encourage you to uh, to take that risk and to let people know about your condition and and to get help. So, Robert, any closing thoughts? No, I just appreciate you, Jeremy, sharing your story. And I, and I think that is kind of the significance here is that God uses our story. And not only do we talk about it with others to feel the support, but also God uses our story to encourage others. So thank you for sharing yours. I know that there are people out there that needed to hear this today. And mm, My pleasure. Um, and, it, you know, I'm not dealing with cancer myself right now. Maybe I will tomorrow. But just your words of, like, being prepared 
for that day is just that resonates with me so thank you for for sharing with us yeah and just a shout out to my dad who passed um just a few weeks ago his favorite verse was romans 8 28 and it seems to apply here which is that we know that all things work together for good Mm -hmm. to those who love jesus and are called according to his purpose and so we get to hear that story firsthand from you how uh, something terrible like cancer occurred and it seemed like nothing good could come from that but here we are a year later and you have a list of things that god has done in and through uh, your family and around you because of this this condition and so once again god wins and uh, his righteousness triumphs and he takes what's bad and he makes it and redeems it into something beautiful and so that's what we hope encourages parents who are listening today so thanks and we'll tune in with you again next week on brilliantly brave parenting see you parents remember even if you may not feel brilliant or brave you are For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, and love, and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. Hi, it's Pastor Brad with Brilliantly Brave Parenting, and I am letting you know about a really awesome podcast. If you are a solo parent or you know someone who's solo parenting right now, have I got a podcast for you. Uh, Dear friend, co-host of our show, and my partner in crime, Robert Beeson has started something really spectacular. Robert's here in the studio. Tell us about it. Yeah, thanks, Brad. So Solo Parent Society podcast is talking to solo parents out there that are doing it alone. We uh, talk to other solo parents that are out there, talk about their struggles and insights that they've come across, as well as experts in the fields that solo parents deal with the most. I was a single parent for eight years, raising three girls. My co-host was a solo parent raising a boy and a girl also for I think about seven years so together we talk about these different topics and we have great guests either solo parents like I said or experts in the field so it's it's new it's authentic it's real it's raw and it's and it's super fun solo parent society podcast brilliantly brave is supporting and encouraging and endorsing what this is and if you want to check it out it's available what on iTunes yeah everywhere that brilliantly brave is awesome thanks